I am excited. And can I tell you why I'm excited? It's not because anything different's happened. It's just because of who God is. And so when we enter a new year or a new season, it's just a reset button to remember who he is and who he says he's been. Amen. And so when we gather here, it's not to have a performance. It's not to, to do anything like that, but it's just to remember who he is. And when you remember who he is, you can't help but start to stir with excitement because who he is, he, he is a healer. Does anybody need healing because he's a healer. He is a redeemer. Does anybody have anything broken in your life because he fixes things that are broken? And so when we come before him intentionally, we're looking to see his power and his presence manifest. So as we come before him, that's why we need to break a smile, not because we need to build him up, but rather we need to let him build us up. Amen. So you can tell I'm excited because of who he is. I'm also excited at just being able to be doing his work again this year. So, as you know, I like to start off whenever I speak with with a story. But let's pray before we get in. Father, we just come before you. Lord, I pray that the environment in here is one that will be receptive to hear your word, Jesus. I pray that we can be a people that are hungry to hear your word, Father, because your word does not come back void. And Lord, as we speak out your word right now, Jesus, I pray that it would take root in the in the people here, Father God. The seeds would be planted, but Lord, we speak fruit will come out of this time, Jesus. Lord, we speak expectation into the environment, into the atmosphere. Lord, we recognize that as Christians, we have the ability to speak into an atmosphere and your kingdom will be in that place. So Lord, we want a kingdom atmosphere in all that we do, Jesus. So Lord, we're expectant to hear from you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So let me start off with a story. So I, um, I did go to school here in, uh, in it, actually, we were here in, in the hut for one year. I did most of my college in Wairapit College. But do I have anybody that went to Tida College? Do I have anybody that went to Tida College? All right. We've got a couple of Tida College uh, graduates. That's where I graduated from, so I'm not alone. Now, Tida College, when I went there, was um, it was a unique school. Um, there was There was... <laughs> it was so unique. I was the only one that took seventh form chemistry uh, in that time. And there was probably like five people in each of my seventh form classes. Um, chemistry, I was the only one. So, um, But when, when I went through seventh form, they didn't have what they have now. It, it's NCEA, right? And you have credits and you try and gain up to that. I'm old school. We, we, we didn't have that. When I went to seventh form, it was seven, it was called bursary. And so you had, um, I, I kind of like the idea though, because you, you didn't, I mean, it's, it's kind of bad to say it this way, but you didn't have to do any work during the year because none of it counted for anything. And so the motivation to kind of engage and do anything during the year when you got homework assignments or when you got, um, you know, even even assign things in class because not one single grade mattered until the very end of the year, and your one exam at the end of the year determined if you were going to pass or if you were going to fail. And so, um, I I really enjoyed my seventh form year, but I probably didn't do a whole lot of homework. And I still homework is just I, I still haven't probably grasped the concept, and I didn't even do a very good job in university, but. I was present and I was going to the classes and I went to school every day. I didn't, I didn't take any classes off and I said I was doing what I needed to do. But another thing in seventh form is they kind of expected you to kind of 
figure it out on your own. They weren't going to spoon feed you anymore. And um, and in my chemistry class, I didn't even have a teacher. I just had a tutor that the the school assigned to me that would help me a little bit in calculus. Our assistant principal was the teacher. I shouldn't have taken calculus, by the way. And she and she wasn't even there very often, so she would just assign us different you know homework assignments to get through. Needless to say, when the end of the year came and we started taking the mock exams and I realized where my understanding of the content that was coming my way was, I started to take hold of my education at that point. I, I hadn't probably taken hold of where I was supposed to be up until that point. And yet, it's not that I wasn't turning up for classes. It's not that I was in the mix. And Mel, you can check up the, uh, the, the sermon title this morning. And the sermon title this morning is Take Hold. And we're not going to be in here long because this is our last of our January services. So it's a little bit more low-key. We don't have kids care this morning. Kids care is going to start next week. So, so don't fret. We're not going to be here for very long. But the sermon title this, this week is Take Hold. And our scripture comes from 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. And it says this, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, which you were called. When I was in school, I was turning up for the classes. And I think oftentimes when we're attached with church or whatever it might be, we might be turning up to church and we might even be reading our Bible and we might even be having some good times of worship and we might even have some great times of community with folks. But there's something that Paul is urging Timothy here to contend for, to take hold of. He says, fight the good fight of the faith, meaning Timothy was already in the place of leadership. He was already in the place of doing what he was called to do. But Paul is urging Timothy, you need to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And if you just look at what does take hold mean? The phrase take hold means to start to have an effect. So if you just replace that start to have an effect. So if we read first Timothy, it says, fight the good fight of the faith. Start to have an effect with the life that God called you to. That was a powerful, challenging statement to me. That unless we're taking hold, potentially we have this option where we're actually not starting to have that effect that I think all of us so desire to have in our lives. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. We've talked a little bit about the, the value that we're placing on each person here and that they carry being called by God, being made in his very image, how valuable each of us are, how unique each of us are. But there's something that we could miss if we're not taking hold of the life to which we were called to. What are you taking hold of this year? I think... We've done a whole bunch of years in the past, so our expectation can just be whatever we saw in the past. But what are you taking hold of this year? Taking hold of something means you have to release something else. And it might be all sorts of things. And I want to talk this morning about just three barriers that I think can prevent us from fully taking hold of the eternal life to which you've been called. What promises of God are you standing on? Because if we, if we look at the passage here, if you've been wanting to see something, if you're believing for God, if you're, if you're wanting to see the other side of depression, 
If you're wanting to see reconciliation in your marriage, maybe reconciliation in your church, maybe you're, you're wanting to see something in your life. Maybe it's a kid to come back walking with the Lord or, or whatever it might be. Are you taking hold of that promise? Or are you just kind of present wanting and waiting for something to happen distantly? Or are you contending for that? We've talked, we did a series on Joseph last year. What dream are you waiting to see fulfilled? Because dreams are powerful, but they're only powerful if you're going to take hold of them to which God has called you to. Are, do you want to start to have an effect or do you want to just continue to have those dreams? And that's what this taking hold step is. And that's why we're talking about it at the start of the year. And we're, we want to take accountability for the things that God has spoken into us. We need to take hold of them and move into that. Which people has God given you a burden for? This is one personally that Angie and I have been really challenged on this year of saying, which people has God given you a burden for? And how are you moving forward to engage that and to take hold of that? And we've, we've done that a little bit this year and we've, we've prioritized. There's some people that we want to really reach out to that we really want to um, engage. And the fruit that we've seen already has been so powerful. It's a simple shift from being present to engaging, to taking hold, to taking ownership of that which God has placed in our heart. And it means getting rid of a lot of excuses. It means releasing something else that might be in our hand. The first, the first major obstacle that I think can prevent us from really taking hold of the eternal life to which we've been called is a little thing called busyness. Do we have some busy people in here? I, this is a busy society. Bruce McKevitt sent me an article, um, recently on busyness and, um, and there was a quote in there and it said, the word busy is the symptom not of commitment, but of betrayal. The word busy is, is the symptom, not of commitment, but of betrayal. Um, there was, I think the article talked about this too, that you never want to go to a doctor's office when they're not busy. Because busyness in our society is deemed as success. If he's a busy doctor, it must mean that he's a good doctor because people are lining up to wait. And you don't mind waiting because you know if the doctor is going to be worth waiting for, you kind of want to be in that place. Busyness to some degree can be touted as a thing of success. But I was recently um, listening to another leadership podcast, and it was the CEO of a large company, and they recently got plopped into the middle of their um, you know, the business, and they were kind of brought on quite suddenly. So the first thing they did, the company was quite... It was, it wasn't very profitable at the time. And so they, they brought this, this new CEO in and she, the first thing she did is she sat down with all of the executives of the, of the company and she said, let's find out what's, what, what do we need to work on? Like, what are the, what are the reasons we're not profitable? And so fairly quickly, the executive team came up with seven different things. I've, I'm holding up eight fingers, seven different things that they needed to focus on, that they needed to center on, that they needed to work on, and that was going to help them to be profitable. And the CEO was feeling pretty good about herself, and uh, she's written a book called Dare to Serve. It's a, it's a good book. I don't have her name right here, but if you want to get the book, it's a good, it's about servant leadership. But she was pretty excited until one of the employees brought her aside at the end of the meeting and said, do you know that we've done this for the past however many years? Our executive team gets together in an office and we determine what all the, the problems are or all the things that we need to focus on. And we come up with this, this list of seven. This list hasn't changed in the last couple of years. And she, and she was pretty, 
you know, her balloon was deflated at this point when she thought we'd made all this progress. And those were the seven things that they needed to work on. So as she started digging a little bit deeper and she wanted to find out what, what's going on here, she wanted to find out what is everybody working on in regards to these seven problems. And she, she tallied a list of the projects that were represented just by the people that were there. So there was however many of the executive team. And out of that executive team, they were working on 128 different projects. There was 128 different projects represented in the executive team there. The very first thing the CEO did was change that to seven. She took the 128 projects and they said, you're no longer working on any of those 128 projects because not a single one of them was directly related to one of the seven things that they actually needed to change in their organization. What a powerful statement in regards to busyness. Busyness, they were very, very busy in this organization. They were working very, very hard. They were using a lot of time, energy, and resources with the best of their ability on those projects. But how easy is it to be busy working on the 128 different things when those seven things are staring at us in the face? Busyness is not always a good thing. I like in Psalm 23, verse 1, we know it really well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oftentimes, busyness is not the symptom of success in God. But we want, we want to be busy, I think. But we want to be busy working on the right things. And then that leads me into my next one. The next thing that I think lends to, that we need to understand is to take hold of the eternal life to which we've been called is vulnerability. And I think this follows busyness really well. And, and what I mean by vulnerability is this. I think it's so challenging to actually go after the thing which God has called you to. If, if you go full bore into that which God has called you to, you're actually in a really vulnerable place. It's a lot easier to be busy with something that's maybe not as important or as hurtful or giving everything that we have to that very thing. So these 128 projects, they probably had some relation to those seven big things. But when you're giving everything that you have, and you're exactly where you know God's called you to be, and you give everything, what happens if you fail? What happens if you get rejected? It can feel like that rejection or that failure, that can be hard to get to. It can be very, very hard to bear yourself and do the thing that you're actually supposed to do. It's a lot easier to point to other people to say what they're supposed to be doing. And yet it's so hard for us to walk into the very core of who we are and to be vulnerable in that place. The thing is that in our weakness, his greatness is made strong. And so there's something that will actually never take hold of that which we've been called to until we can go to the place of being vulnerable, of removing the busy things, of working on the things that God is actually calling us to, giving ourselves, opening ourselves up to those things. And then as we fail, I love, does David Riddell say, failure is not fatal. But we get to be defined by who he is when we don't measure up. And he's the one that gave us the gifts anyways. He's the one that put the calling on your life anyways. So the failure is not yours. You can blame it on God, right? But he is going to form you in the, in the clay. And if we don't ever get in the fire with that regard, we're never going to truly be tested. It is a scary thing to actually go all in for Jesus. 
It's a really scary thing because you become so vulnerable in that place. Busyness is not always success. And vulnerability is so important to get into that next stage. The last thing, the last topic or the last thing that I think defines or can help us to move into taking hold of the eternal life to which we've been called is perseverance. Perseverance. Hebrews 10.36 says this, For you have need of endurance. Or in the NIV it says, You need to persevere, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You have need of endurance, you need to persevere, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. I think it is so easy for us to, to disengage when we find disappointment. When you do become vulnerable and you do get hurt and you do not get into the place where you really felt God was calling you to, it can really help us to disengage because it didn't happen exactly as it was. But this is where the need for perseverance has to come in, is that we have to push through whatever the disappointment was. We have to push through, and we have to, remember we talked about when you take hold of something, you have to let something else go, because your hand's already full. And one of the things is, Kim, somebody else is not to blame for the reason why you're not walking in the in the purposes of God. It's not your spouse. It's not the elders. It's not the government. It's not those different things, but we have to take ownership of the environments around us and the thing which God has called us to and take hold of those things and walk in. So the question this morning is, what is God calling you to? What is the call on your life? Can you remove the busyness? Can you start working on the seven things that are actually going to have a difference Stop working on the 128 different other things. Are you able to be vulnerable enough to come into that place? Vulnerability hurts. When you come into a community, you want, you want to come into a community where people can uplift you and can talk to you. And we want to, at the beginning of this year, we're going to be looking at how do we get so intentional in our relationships? And we want to look at crossing some of the generational divides. How do we get some of these, well, the young people aren't here. The young people, they're somewhere else, right? Engaging with some of the, the older people and the wisdom. And how do we get, how do we start being intentional at getting together in people's lives? It's a lot easier to say hello to someone on on a Sunday morning and go about your business, your busyness, because you, you don't have time to get vulnerable before one another. And that's where we get so challenged. But perseverance is so important. You have to push through the awkwardness. You have to push through the things that might make you feel uncomfortable because at the end of the day, all the excuses are simply just that. They're excuses. And the reason why this is so important is because there are people waiting for you to push through that that can be the beneficiaries of what you have to bring to them. We're talking about which people has God given you a burden for. Jeanette McKevin and I met recently this week or a week ago, and she was talking about something on her heart, is can every single one of us get a burden for one person that maybe is not walking with the Lord right now? Can we get a burden for them? Not to go and try and convince them to come over to, to be Jesus, but how can we go and be Jesus to them? How can we be actively engaging just one person? And then at the end of this, if there's some 150-odd people, then there's going to be 300 people at the end of this year because don't tell me that my, my God is a big God and that when you start to take hold of that which you've been called to, people can't help but to be influenced by him coming through you. That's only going to happen if you're going to take hold of that which he's called you to. We have to remove the busyness so that we start to take hold where it matters. 
We have to release those excuses from our hands as well. What needs to be sacrificed to get to the prize of what God's calling you to, to find his eternal will? I mean, really practically, for, for the younger generations, it's Facebook. Can you sacrifice Facebook for a day and spend that time taking hold of something else? For, for maybe the middle generation, it, you got to give up one of those coffees. One of those coffees in the middle of the day, Arisong is so good, but Arisong can do without one coffee and your other two will be okay from Arisong. Use that money to take hold of the thing that God has called you to. I think too often we're waiting for something to be given to us. We're, we're in, it's like my seventh form year. I don't know what I was waiting for, but I was attending everything. I showed up for school every day and there's a peop, there's a group of people here that turn up to church and what we're what is on our heart is to say, we need to take hold of the life which God has called me to. And what does that look like? And so when there's, there's time to, to come together, you have stories of saying, I am taking hold of this. Can I encourage you this morning? Take hold of the eternal life that God has called you to this morning. Or rather, start to have an effect with the life that God has called you to. What excuses are in the way preventing you from getting to where you're supposed to be? Is it because, oh, this isn't my style of church, but I'm just going to attend? Or I didn't like that worship service? Or there's not a good home group for me? Maybe it's in your workplace. I just, oh, the people aren't quite ready for me to, to be me. Whatever the excuses are from you taking hold, remove them and start taking hold and ownership for your life that God has called you to. And we've talked about life. The purpose of our life is to be a life-giving spirit. Amen? We want to be people that are giving away life. And that's, that's going to happen here in church where we can encourage one another. But our heart is that we want to be like salt and we're spread throughout this community doing what he's called us to where we're currently placed. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I think it's because more laborers need to take hold of that which God has called them to. The circumstances are never going to be just right. There's never going to be a time. The grass is not greener on the other side. Take hold of that which God has called you to. Fight the good fight of the faith. I'm going to wrap up there because this is just a take hold. That's what we're about right now. We're saying engage where you are currently. Engage, remove some of the busyness, get rid of the excuses, don't blame anyone else, and start to take hold of that which God is calling you to. Let's pray. Father, we, we recognize that you are God. Lord, we can't do anything without you, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to do anything without you. And Father, if we can do it without you, it's not worth doing. Lord, I pray that you would increase faith in this place right now. Lord, I pray that you would place vision in each heart right now. Lord, I pray that you would start to stir us up as a people, Father. Lord, help us to push past complacency. Lord, help us to push past the distractions and excuses that might fill us at times. We're human and it does that. But Lord, I pray that there would be a people that would catch the importance of the call that you have on each life. Lord, we speak to a spiritually taking hold of lives right now. Lord, we want to see fruit where people are fully walking in that which you've called them to do. Lord, I pray that they would not be distracted by what's for lunch today. They would not be distracted by their personal preferences, Jesus, but they would be consumed by taking hold of what you have called them for. Lord, stir us as a people. Help us not to just be satisfied with where we are. 
Lord, there's people that are hurting. There's people that are broken that need your love. And you've decided to send your love through us. Lord, help motivate and send us to send that love. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you.